Support for this podcast and the following message is brought to you by E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, our tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Plus, you'll get access to a wide range of support to help you plan for the long term. Learn more at etrade.com slash vox. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Everybody, it is Tuesday, December 13th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety when we're done here on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a great start to the week. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Man, is there a lot to discuss following Bellator 289, following... UFC 282, and a lot of it has to do with the judges, judges' scorecards, a lot going on in that aspect. At least with the Bellator card, I think the right fighter was victorious in the main event. One of the all-time worst scorecards ever from Doug Crosby, scoring the Rafion Stotts danny Sabatello fight 50-45 for Danny Sabatello. That's just an awful, awful scorecard. And we thought that might have been the end of it, but no, it was not the end of it because we went across the country to Las Vegas from beautiful Uncasville, Connecticut for UFC 282. And that card started off absolutely on fire. 10 fights, 10 finishes, some great battles, some prospects coming through in a big way, living up to the hype. And then we get to the fight everyone had circled Patty Pimblett's UFC pay-per-view debut against Jared Gordon in the co-main event. And the fight happens, goes to full 15. It is a pretty close fight. Most people, I would say like 97% of the combat sports watching community, whether it be fighters, media members, fans, all scored the fight for Jared Gordon. A couple people scored it for Patty. But for the most part, everyone thought, the only discussion to be had was whether it was 30-27 Jared Gordon or 29-28 Jared Gordon. I scored at 29-28 watching it live during the watch party on Saturday with GC and AK and Mysterious Frank. And I felt like Jared Gordon won the first two rounds. I gave round three to Patty. Although if you want to give that third round to Jared, I'm not going to be mad at you. I just didn't think Jared did very much in that round. And if we're weighing damage and landing shots more than anything else. I gave round three to Patty because I think he's the only one that actually really did anything besides Jared just trying to control him against the fence and and things of that nature. So I was fine with 29-28. Of course, Patty Pimbett wins the fight. Everyone has been in an uproar ever since. And then we get to the main event, 
And I kept saying on all these shows and on the preview shows and other things you did for MMA fighting, the main event hopefully will crown a new light heavyweight champion between Jan Bohovic and Magomed Ankalaev. And I prefaced this. I don't know why I kept prefacing it that way. Not that I saw the future or anything, but I don't know. I had weird vibes about all of it. And turns out we get ourselves a draw and there is still new ch- no champion at 205. But then Dana White at the press conference, like we mentioned this and the aftermath of the watch party, just pull Jamal Hill from the March 11th fight. Yeah, it sucks for Anthony Smith and just have him fight Glover to share for the belt. And lo and behold, that's exactly what we're getting here. That's exactly what we're getting. The new main event for UFC 283 in January in Rio. Glover Teixeira gets exactly what he wants. He will fight for the, for the vacant title. And he will take on Jamal Hill in a fight that I think favors him greatly, honestly. So it all worked out for Glover Teixeira. Probably the biggest winner of UFC 282. But I'm going to take your calls. I know you guys have, have a lot to say about the weekend. But I did literally an hour ago, watch Patty Pimba versus Jared Gordon a second time. I had to see the fight in, in just a different environment because while you're on the watch party and you're talking and there's a million things going on around you, perhaps I didn't give it the appropriate amount of attention. It's still a talking point three days later. So I wanted to go back, didn't even have the sound on, didn't have anything on. I just wanted to sit down and watch the fight which is me in a room all by myself, empty house, everything. And I watched the fight. First round, Jared Gordon's round, 100%. 100%, I thought he landed the cleaner shots. There's just no world where Patty wins that round. Like, I, I, I can't even entertain you if, if you feel Patty won the first round. I can't, like, I can't even listen to it. Round two is definitely closer. Patty picks it up a little bit more. There's exchanges on the ground. There's control. But again, if we're talking damage being the priority, I feel Jared landed the cleaner shots. I think the left hand just continued to land. It wasn't as it wasn't as dominant as the first round. It wasn't as clear cut as the first round. But to me, I felt Jared Gordon won the round, which to me tells me he won the fight. But I do see how you could score it for Patty. He is a little he, he does a little bit more. There is at least a conversation to be had with that one. And the third round's just super close because again, I still score the third round for Patty. I just think he did more. There wasn't a ton of strikes thrown in the round, but I do feel that Patty his strikes meant more than the control against the fence that Jared Gordon seemed to have. And I do agree with Dana White when I said that Jared kind of let his foot off the gas a little too much. And if he kept it standing and kept it striking, and, and I, Patty said the same thing. He was compromised. He's basically fighting on one ankle. If Jared had just continued to land shots, th- this probably isn't even a conversation right now. But it turns out it still would have been because <laughs> it still would have been a Patty decision even if Jared went all out and just landed the big strike. So in the end, even watching it the second time, I still scored 29-28 for Jared Gordon. But I will say that watching it back and just having a clear sense of it all, I was screaming, this is a all-and-out robbery. This is blasphemy. This is one of the worst decisions I've seen in a long time. But the second watch, 
I don't know if I feel the same. I don't know if I feel the same. I'm flirting with robbery now. I'm flirting with it. If I see robbery sitting at the bar looking all lonely, I'm going to walk over and have a conversation with it. But I don't feel like I'm, I'm asking robbery out on a date, if that makes sense. So I'm leaving it. So if you want to call it a robbery, okay. I don't know if I'm calling it a robbery anymore. I think I've jumped off that ledge. We're not, I don't think we're calling it a robbery. I'm calling it a bad decision. I'm calling it a bad decision. But watching it the second time, alone, no sound, no, nothing else around me, I ain't calling it a robbery. It's a really close fight. I do feel like Jared got hosed a bit, but I don't think it's a robbery. I don't think it's a robbery. And if we want to compare it to the Sabatello scorecard, the Sabatello scorecard is 5 billion times worse than anybody scoring it for Patty Pimblett. I do think Jared deserved to win. I do think I scored it for Jared, but again, I've seen what a robbery looks like, and those examples of robberies are just not the same here. It's not the same. So we're close to the robbery. We're like, we're like a frog jump away from it, but I don't think we're there. I don't think we're there. Maybe I have to watch it a third time at like a different time of day. Maybe I have to finish my iced coffee and then watch it again, but still think Jared won, but I don't think it's a robbery. And maybe, maybe I'm about to get annihilated for the next hour and that's okay. But I'm just giving you my take. I'm, I'm giving you my sense rewatching it. And if you haven't rewatched it and you haven't been in a place where you cannot be distracted, if you could just sit down and watch it and turn the sound off and just pay attention to it from start to finish. I don't know. I think, I, I think you should try. I think you should do it. I think you should do it. And maybe you'll get a different sense of it. But I do think Jared Gordon won the fight, but I do think it's, it was a closer fight than I thought it was on Saturday. It's just bad timing. All this is just bad timing. The weekend, everything going on with the integrity of the sport, everything Ariel talked about yesterday, it makes sense and there's a point to it, but it's a bad decision. I just don't think it's, a, it's an all-in-out robbery on the second watch. Well, let's go to you guys and see what you have to say. Mikey, hello. Morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Morning, Mikey. Um, all right, so just going to get a couple things off my chest. Um, I was there in the building. That night, I, as crazy as this sounds, I watched the fight very intensively, despite being surrounded by drunk people yelling. Um, robbery? No. Petty larceny? Yes. I've Patty, the irony of that fight was that that was set up for Patty to have, like, especially in the night where we were getting all these finishes lined up in a row. It was building up to him having that crescendo moment, right? Where he's like, okay, all these knockout finishes, and it's gonna, and then Patty's gonna come out there and starch Jared Gordon in like two minutes, and we're all gonna lose our mind, right? And you can just feel the audience kind of getting deflated in a way where they were just like, okay, this fight's going longer than we thought. <laughs> and not only is it going longer, it's not even that exciting. 
because Jared rightfully so drugged this in the mud and tried to make it, you know, very, very slow paced. Um, listen, Dana White is very harsh with the things he says, but I think we, if you can peel back a little bit, you can, there's some things he pointed out that are, that seem sensible, you know, like if Jared really wanted to definitively finish those rounds and maybe he does get the clear decision. That's, that's a tough thing about it. It's like you, you can't trust the judges are looking at your game plan and understanding it. He applied the right game plan. The problem is the judges didn't know what the hell they were looking at. Um, Pat, a lot of Patty strikes didn't have a lot of pop. I mean, Jared was taking it. And, man, that's just tough, man. It's uh, Like I said, Jared deserved that decision. But, you know, people are going to react the way they react. And rightfully so, because it was it, it was kind of dubious looking. Um on that note, too, I gotta say, like, why do I don't understand? I, why do MMA fans do these things where they're like, "Oh, it's clearly fixed. It's clearly rigged." Listen, if they were gonna rig that fight, they would have asked Jared Gordon to take a dive, not wait 15 minutes for Patty to look like crap, and then give him a decision. You know what I mean? Like, how if you're rigging the fight, why would you rig the? Why would you tell Patty, "Okay, Patty, we're gonna rig this for you. Have a shitty fight and wait till the judges come." You know, it makes no sense. Like, I understand the UFC can sometimes be a little awkward and shady, but like, come on, you know? And otherwise, and as for the main event, uh, that's rough. And first of all, that Dana White needs to calm down. The main event was not that terrible. Not the greatest fight you will ever see. It's not going to go down as like one of the best title fights of all time, but it wasn't terrible. And the call for Glover and Jamal to get the title fights, the right one. It just sucks that Dana White announced it in, in the manner he did, you know, sounding so capricious and mean. It was the right call, but just like, dude, calm down. You know, anyways, uh, Raul Rosas is a star. I know, yeah, he got like, Jay Perrin's not like the best fighter he could fight. But in the building, everyone loved that kid. Anyways, that'll be all for me. Be kind to one another. See you guys later. Thanks, man. Yeah, Ra Raul Rosas' moment was not too big for him at all. And that was like my biggest question about him. Would he kind of have the first round that he that he had would jay perrin be able to survive and if so would it just be an, an incredible dump of adrenaline after the fact because perrin's a dog it's very tough to finish that guy the guy went 15 minutes with mario batista on less than a week's notice and went the full 15 with him if you look at what mario batista has done in the ufc it's not easy to do mario's a killer and he's probably one of those guys in this division that just isn't getting enough credit for the work he's put in and the performances that he's had. So I thought this match was perfect. I said on the show, that should be the exact opening matchup. Throw him in there with, with Jay Perrin. I think it's perfect. And Raul showed out, man. He loved it. He was comfortable with everything. I was very impressed with him. I will say this though. I don't care what he said on the MAR yesterday. He's just wrong. We're not, we're not pumping this dude up. We're not throwing him to the wolves right now. You can't do it. You can't do it. I suggested Kevin Natividad do it International Fight Week. Let this kid save him from himself. Save him from himself. Let him enjoy the rest of his senior year of high school. I know most of it's homeschooling, but he's still like part of a school system, if you will. And let him, let him be a senior in high school the rest of the way. Once he graduates throw him on the international fight week card and then we can have at it. We could, we can get him a little more active, let him do his thing, but let's not throw him to the wolves. Let's not go crazy with this. 
Main event was not a bad fight. I actually liked it. I liked it for a while. I was kind of on the edge of my seat a little bit. But it was literally the fight I expected all outside of Jan just really landing those leg kicks and making Magomed Ankalaev just super uncomfortable. It forced Ankalaev to have to make the decision to, I'm just going to run at you and tackle you because I can't take any more of these leg kicks. And that's essentially what he did in rounds four and five. I scored the fight for Ankalaev. Going back and rewatching it, if you want to give Jan the third round, I get it. It's not egregious. I had more of an issue with the – I mean, you want to call round five a 10-8, okay. I still don't see it. I still don't see it. There's just – I just – it's the scoring more than anything. I, like, it was a dominant round. Blahovich didn't do anything really, but Ankalaev just had control. He landed some strikes. Is that a 10-8? I don't know. I don't know. But if you want to call that a draw, I get if you scored if you scored the third round for Yad and you think round five is a 10-8, then it's a draw. It's the right card. It's not horrible. I thought Ankalaev was able to win round three, and then I he clearly won four and five. So I scored a 48-47 for, for Ankalaev. But it's just one of those weird fights. Um, but it was it was pretty damn compelling until the fourth round. First three rounds are had a lot of questions. They're like, oh boy, is he going to be able to continue on with that leg injury? How bad is it? Can Blahovich keep smashing that leg with his shin? I don't know. But kudos to Ankalaya for, for turning it around and, and getting the win. And then I, I'm, I'm with you on the, on the Patty one. I'm with you. I don't think it's a robbery. The fight is closer than I thought it was watching it live. And that's it. I do feel like Jared deserved to win. I feel like the environment was probably a big catalyst. I do agree with big John McCarthy there. Sometimes when, when you're there and you experience all of it, it's, it can be a little much. And it's tough for the judges too. Like you're sitting in one seat and you're watching from one specific angle. They're not getting the same feel of things that we are watching it on television. But I just don't know how you could score, no matter where you're sitting or who you are, I just don't know how you could score that first round for Patty. I don't, I just don't understand it. That was the clearest round of the fight for me. Cause Jared just kept landing that left hand over and over again. Patty wasn't landing really anything and anything he, he looked like to, he landed. Jared was, was blocking. Jared was blocking. He had good defense. He saw everything coming. That fight went exactly the way I thought it was going to go. Go back and watch the preview show. It's exactly what I said was going to happen. Jared's going to do enough when things get real chaotic, which they will at some point, and they did in this fight. Jared just can't get crazy with it, like most of Patty's opponents have. They're in these tough spots. They're in these crazy scrambles. Patty takes the back so well. He just has to relax. If he can just relax and not and just embrace the chaos, he'll he'll win a decision. And that's exactly the fight I thought we were going to get. And then the judges came in. It's just wild, man. It's just wild. Again, I don't think it's a robbery. I think Jared Gordon got hosed a bit, deserved that win. But I'll say this, and we can continue on this conversation. This was by far, like, you want to say Glover Teixeira is the biggest winner of UFC 282? That's a, that's a great choice. It's probably the correct answer. The second biggest winner, and I'm not even talking about the fight itself in the, in the, in the judging and anything. 
The second biggest winner was Patty Pimblett. And the reason is, this was the best thing that could have happened to him. He's the talk of the town, whether you like him or not. He's causing debate and will continue to do so. His next fight is going to be super intriguing to everybody. And here's the biggest thing. We learned enough about Patty Pimblett to realize that he ain't fighting a top 15 guy next, and maybe he won't ever fight a top 15 guy. And that is spectacular for him. Because what we learned on Saturday, whether you scored the fight for Jared Gordon or scored it for Patty Pimblett, Patty's not beating anybody in the top 15. He's going to have a, a rough time with any of these guys. Like, th there is no world I'm picking Patty Pimblett to beat Isma Gulov, Jalen Turner, Armand Sarukian, Grant Dawson, all of these guys in the top 15. Maybe Tony Ferguson, but I still think Tony would have a decent chance in that fight because I don't think Patty's going to kill him on the feet. But I honestly think this is the best thing that could have happened to Patty because he gets the win. And it's probably the best thing that could happen for the UFC too because you could still book him in England. You could still book him in a main event on a fight night. And he could just fight like – and I know I picked Terrence McKinney as his next opponent because now it makes sense. No matter what happens at UFC 283 in Terrence's fight, you can make that fight happen. And I think Terrence could win, but I actually think Patty has a shot. Because Terrence, Terrence is a, just an absolute firecracker. But if Patty can survive a, a first-round scare and that fight gets extended, Patty can beat Terrence McKinney. So there's options, but... The good news for Patty Pimblett fans is now he doesn't have to fight a top 15 guy. He's not going to fight a killer. He's going to fight somebody decent. McKinney is going to be a tough one for him, but it's a fight he can win. And then you just keep him far away from these top 15 guys. The UFC has learned, and we have all learned, that the Patty Pimblett championship run or anything like that, it's not there, and we know that, and that's okay. And that's okay. There are fighters in the UFC who don't need to fight for titles and don't need to even contend for titles. Derek Lewis, Kevin Holland, guys like that. Guys we just love. Guys we enjoy watching. Guys we have reactions to no matter what. But they don't have to fight for titles, and that's okay. That's totally okay. And Patty is now in there, and that's fine. That's fine. And that's totally okay. Support for this podcast and the following message is brought to you by E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, our tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Plus, you'll get access to a wide range of support to help you plan for the long term. Learn more at eTrade.com slash Vox. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Let's go to Tom, and then we're going to go to a very special guest after this. Tom, are you there? Go around the world in 90 seconds and bring it back to where I started. First point, judges. Topic of the conversation of the evening, absolutely. On the Paddy Baddy point, he's here for a good time. He's not here for a long time. At most, he's got another 10 fights, absolute most. More, probably like seven. I disagree with you a little bit, and I do think that his crescendo will be a Tony Ferguson, because Tony Ferguson is coming down the hill, and that descent can be rather rapid. So I, do th I can see a big, title, a big fight in the UK with a big name like Ferguson, because a lot of the UK fans are not aware of the top 15 that you, that you laid out there. There are better fights there for Paddy, uh, and fights that he would probably lose, but Tony Ferguson maybe has that right balance of a big, well-known name in the UK. Time, a long time. Let's all let, let's all say Glover Tashira. He deserves his flowers. He deserves this. The the UFC gods have worked in his favour, and he now has a chance to go down as in history as recapturing the title as a ninety three year old man. It's fantastic. It does suck, as you said, for Anthony Smith. Which brings me back to my original point: judges. You listen to Anthony Smith. His analysis on fights. Obviously, he's got a long uh, time to go in the UFC. But surely now, with judges, we've got to get a diversity of judges where we have the commission people, but some ex-fighters. A ground guy and a stand-up guy. In that panel of three, or increase that panel to five judges, perhaps. Get ex-fighters who know the game inside out and are looking for things within the context of, of, of the rules, which the judges miss because we're still dealing with ex-boxing judges who are, who are judging UFC rounds and have no idea what's going on. So those are my three points. So Paddy, a uh, good time, not a long time. Glover Tashira deserves every uh, look of the uh, break of the green he gets. And finally, judges, why are we still dealing with these commission dumpties who don't know the bigger picture. Thank you for your time. God bless you all. Thanks, Tom. And, and look, I'm with you. I'm not saying the Ferguson fight is, is okay, but I don't want to see it. And the reason why is if Patty like, goes out and beats Tony, like what's the point? He goes out there and gets a big win over Tony Ferguson. But if he does that, then you have to throw him in there with one of these monsters. And he's just going to get exposed. And I don't think that's what we're trying to do here anymore. Like Jared Gordon. I like Jared Gordon. Wiley veteran. Been doing this for a minute. Very solid hand. But he's probably like a top 30 guy. And he struggled. Jared beat him up. Jared beat him up. And probably won that fight. But can you imagine what happens if you chuck him in there? Because if he had gone out there and finished Jared Gordon, the fight I've been saying is he needs to fight Jalen Turner because Jalen's an interesting cat, but not a lot of people know how interesting of a cat he is. And you throw him in there with Patty, he gets a big win. He probably just mercs Patty. And then he gets the rub, and that's cool. Like, that's cool. That, that's a win-win. Because if, if somehow Patty beats Jalen Turner, we're like, all right, we were all wrong about this guy. But if Jalen beats him, he gets the rub. 
A lot of people don't like Patty, so he gets the fan appeal, so to speak, from that. So I liked that, but, I mean, we've seen enough to know that. And you mentioned it too. Patty's been fighting for a while. He's been fighting for over a decade as a professional. As a professional. He's won a lot, lost few, but he, this is, this, what you see is what you get. This is, his, this is who he is. This is who he's going to be for the rest of his career. And that's okay. That's okay. He's capped. He's reached, he's reached his ceiling. Could there be like little strategic tweaks he could make? Sure. But in terms of like his overall fighting style, this is who he is. It's who he is. And he's done a lot with, with this. And he'll continue to do well as a, as a star or a star in potential. He'll continue to sell out arenas. He'll continue to, draw, to have interest for his fights. He just won't be a champion, and that's all right. That's fine. The UFC has invented titles before. Maybe they'll invent another title for Patty. Who the hell knows? But I'm with you on the Glover thing, and the judging needs some work, but this is kind of the conversation we're going to be having for a long time, I think. Here's a man who is in Las Vegas for the festivities. My man, Jose Youngs. Hi, Jose. Are you there? All right, I'm not hearing you. Try again, Jose. Let's go to double A. Usually takes a second to get double A connected. Hey, there he is. How are you? Hello. Good. What's up? Um, well, the USA 282 was just a big mess, wasn't it? Um, it was just a big mess beforehand, and it was a mess during, I guess, because the because of the whole light light heavyweight situation. But um, I've got a question. Um, my question is um. What's next for both uh, Billy Billy Q and uh, Alexander Hernandez? All right, that's all I've got. Everyone, you're awesome. Have a great day. Peace. Interesting question. I mean, Billy Q, the options are aplenty. People just want to watch this kid fight. He's he's the man. I mean, there's never there's no Billy Q. There's no boring Billy Q fights. And what a friggin' fight that was with with Alexander Hernandez. So. Uh, I love the Nate Landwehr idea. That one would just be a scrap. But you can't really go wrong with him. Just, yeah, chuck him in there with with somebody else who's fun. And it's just a nice little it's a nice little thing to have Billy Q on a card. And like seeing him in front of people and in front of big crowds and letting them react to him. Billy Q's the man. Great win. For Hernandez, I don't know, man. I don't know. Because Hernandez had a great first round. He just, I don't know, he just can't get it together. Because he looked like a killer in that first round. I'm like, oh, man, maybe maybe 145 is his home. And then we just saw Billy Q turn it on. We saw Hernandez just start to fade. And I don't know, man. I don't know what you do with him, honestly. It's just one like Hernandez is going to be one of those guys that 10 years from now we look back on and we're just like, man, 
because the Benil Dariush win is just it was such a blessing and a curse for this guy. Because he went out there and just starched him in seconds. Then he fights Olivia Aubin Mercier and just one of those grindy types of performances that, I mean, that one actually impressed me more than anything. That actually impressed me more than the Benil win. He hated that performance, talking to him afterwards, but I thought that was super impressive to just be able to control a guy like that in your second UFC fight for 15 minutes like that. That was really impressive. And then the Cerrone thing happened, and it's just been all sort of downhill ever since for him. And he just never really got the he just never really got the the normal newcomer build that a lot of these guys have had the chance to get. He basically got chucked in there with one of the best lightweights in the world in his very first fight, gets a quick finish. You can't just go backwards from there. You just have to go forwards. It's just been it's it's going to be a weird retrospective when we look back on the career of Alexander Hernandez. I don't know what I don't know what they're going to do with him. I don't know if he's going to stay at forty five or if he's going to get released. If he's going to just fight at fifty five, I don't know. He's such an interesting case. I, I honestly have no idea what they're going to do with him. But Billy Q, just chuck him in there with somebody who can throw hands and just let's create some fireworks. You can't really go wrong with Billy Q. But Hernandez, that's a whole different conversation. Let's go to Mike. What's up, Mike? Are you there, Mike? Yep, I got you. How are you, man? Come on here. I got you. Hey, Mike. How's it going? I don't know if you can hear me or not. Uh, yeah, my two things I guess I would have to say would be about what the main event with uh, Glover and Ankalaev, to me, I'm not really upset with the draw. It kind of felt like, um, it felt pride ruled us. I did give Jan the first three, and then going into the last two, it was that last round was super dominant, so I agree with the draw. I'm happy for Glover to get his second shot. And on the fact of Patty and the Patty fight and this decision-making there and what we got to do with judges, I think the move... I think each major organization, PFL, Bellator, the UFC, they need to do a year-end evaluation on these judges to give them some type of repercussion. If they're not going to have talking points at the end and have their own press conferences, have the organizations do it privately a year-end or uh, evaluation and give them three, six, 12-month suspensions. If I don't do good at my job, you know, I lose that job or I get suspended or I get, you know, whatever it might be. So, you know, they got to have some repercussions because to have Doug Crosby go from Connecticut to Vegas in like two day spans and give out a 50 45 and then a 29 28 to Patty and then give Gordon the third round would like literally flip the rounds around. Like, if anybody says it's Gordon one, two, and then Patty three, and then Doug Crosby to give Patty one, two, and then give Gordon three, it's just it, it looks crazy. Um, love the show. Happy to be on. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. I mean, I, I get it. I, I I put a little tweak on your suggestion only because the UFC and PFL and Bellator, like they don't decide who judges fights. It's up to the commission to assign the judges. So maybe you have 
some judging experts for each organization and they can lay out, they can write up a little, you know, a little report on certain judges, what they noticed, if there's certain deficiencies that need to be fixed and they can suggest these things, but they can't change anything. There's nothing they can change. It's up to the commissions to do these things. It's up to the commissions to do suspensions, up to the commissions to have meetings and different things to talk about the judges. It's all on them. It's all on them. Now, could these promotions offer suggestions? Sure. But can they just say, nah, Doug Crosby ain't judging any of our fights? No, they don't have that power. That's up to the commissions to do that. So, but I'd love to see the commissions, you know, have these meetings, open them up to the public. Like we don't, like the media doesn't even have to ask questions. Just have a meeting like every quarter, do it on Zoom or something, have a judge come up and jump on a Zoom and then they can just ask these judges questions and we can watch them. We can watch their responses. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And we, just the public can watch and see what they have to say. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to fix it. CFFC, I remember this is like 2015 or 2016. They tried something where, and this wasn't official, they would have like the three judges at cage side, but just as with an experiment, they had three other judges kind of in the back room, like in their own space, where they had headphones on, the broadcast was on, they couldn't hear any of the commentary or the crowd, and they watched the fights and then they gave their cards and tried to compare the two. I would like to see something like that. I mean, I don't know how you do it, but I don't know if you just have like three individual judging boxes where they just have monitors and headphones and you have like a commission official in there with them just to make sure there's no tomfoolery or cheating or anything. And you just have them judge based on the broadcast, but not with the sound on, if that makes any sense. Just watch the fights for what they are. They get the angles, they get to deal with that, and then they submit their scores however they see fit, but they got to do something. They got to do something because this has been a, this has been a very interesting year for judges and scorecards. And now we had an event that started off so well that all the first 10 fights in a vacuum are all exciting and cool and fun. But all we're talking about is judging and it takes away from the athletes and you never want to see an event end like that where that's the talking point. Let's go to Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Michelle, are you there? All right, try again. Let's go to Viking, and then we'll go to Frankie. We'll try to get Michelle one more time, then we'll go to Frankie. See if we can get Viking. Hello, Viking. Hello, hello, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes. So I was listening to the Fight Disciple podcast, which was uh, hosted by the UFC BT Sports presenters, and they were talking about uh, Darren Till, and one of the hosts said in regards to Till that he's still not able to let go 
his previous losses and and those losses are haunting him and that's why he is not performing in his fights this was the first time i saw darren tills fights so i don't know what happened in the past i don't know what was the story of his every fight from the past so what are your thoughts on that not letting go statement i mean i know he is not going to be the champ or will be because you know he has go he has to go through guys like bonicle and and dagestani dude ikram who was on the floor unconscious for 5 minutes when my brother hamzat knocked him out and about judging it was the same ron mccarthy you know who was able to see that female fighter tapped at the apex when even camera person did not have an angle on that area of an octagon but he was you know unable to see jared gordon scoring more points than paddy and is hode hodeing still there or not because i have a question for him uh no he's not here all right then i'll ask him on another time thank you thanks buddy yeah darren tills an interesting one too that was a crazy ass fight that was a 10-8 could have been a 10-7 in a lot of people's eyes until came out in like the final 30 seconds of the first round and landed some shots and took some momentum over and had a great second round and it looked like he might be he might get DDP out of there at certain points but DDP ends up finishing in the third round yeah he's another interesting tale in the sport where i don't know man he could have this guy could have a seven fight losing streak right now think about that a seven fight losing streak cuz he lost to wonderboy 100% you want to i mean the gasoline one was just such an awful fight so it doesn't really matter all that much um but yeah interesting tale i don't know where he goes from here he's going to say he's going to take some time off he says he tore his acl i don't know how much truth there is to that uh if that's real or not maybe it could, could have just been like the aftermath of the fight i don't know but I actually kind of agree with DDP because DDP is the one that kind of put that out there originally. Like, eh, I don't think he's gotten over the losses. I think they're hindering him moving forward. Um, but he also said at the post-fight, he doesn't think Darren's a middleweight. Darren should be a welterweight. He's just, he's just not big enough, not strong enough. I'd like to see Till back at 170, if we're being honest, but it's just up to him. He's got to make that decision. He's got to take the nutrition part of it seriously and, and take some time, use this time to heal up and transform your body back to a middleweight. It's not like he's 35 years old. He's still in his twenties, but I think that's his best. That's his best route. Go to 170, do it, do it in a healthy way and try to build your way up there. Cause man, it's freaking crazy. All right, let's go to Frankie. Frankie, hello. Frankie, are you there? Frankie. Just got to unmute yourself. Inshallah, brother. How are you? How are you? Good, how are you? What is your name, sir? 
My name is Mike. Okay. Do you want to speak about something real or do you want to speak about nonsense? Well, what do you want to talk about? Do you understand the mission of the UFC? Do you understand why they exist? For influence. Fighters fight for influence. When the top fighter is in the top position, then he has the top influence over the world. You understand this? Okay. So you realize Mr. Habib Nurmagomedov's mission, do you not? You all, yeah, I know who Habib is. You all need to take a knee and follow behind him because he is our best hope. Inshallah, brother, you need to understand this. Do you understand this? Inshallah, yeah. Inshallah, Habib does not fight anymore because he already proved himself to be the greatest fighter in the world all times. Greater than Muhammad Ali, greater than anybody else. And all he's trying to do now is lead us to the light. And now we have fighters like Alexander Volkanovsky, who are demons. A lot of people who fight in the UFC are demons. They are there to destroy and cause chaos and destruction to the world. Inshallah, brother, I will defend Habib's honor and his mission with my life. If you want to stop us, you have to kill us. You understand this? Sounds good, my man. I appreciate your passion. Uh, and Habib is one of the all-time greats. Can't deny him. He's one of the all-time great coaches now. He's, he's on his way. That's for sure. Uh, I wouldn't call Volkanovsky a demon. <laughs> I think he's far from that. But... Hey, it's your opinion, my man. Let's go to Tom. Hey, Tom. Well, yeah, I don't know what that was. That kind of just threw me off guard, but uh, a, a odd way to jump in after that. Uh, but, yeah, I was uh, I was really just going to agree with you on the whole Darren Till thing. I mean, he we saw it. I don't know about you guys, but it looked like at least a 10 to 15-pound size disadvantage for him on Saturday. And in the division where you have guys like Paula Costa – Alex Bahia, who are cutting 25, 30 pounds. It's when, when you're only cutting 10 pounds or so, for, like Darren Till is at that weight class, it doesn't make sense. You need to go back down to 170 when you were a big welterweight, had a good strength, size advantage. You don't have that at middleweight. His power hasn't really translated too much to middleweight either. So 170 has to be the next route. And uh, just kind of agreeing with you on there. Uh, and next, I one I'd really like to see after the other night is what do you think uh, Chris Curtis DDP after that? I'm really intrigued by that performance. Two guys who are going to go out there put on a very entertaining fight. Two good personalities. So there we go. Thanks, man. Yeah, I don't think they'll go that route. Um, I think DDP beating Darren Till the way that he did, undefeated in the UFC, he's on a great winning streak. I. I I don't think Chris is going to get that fight. I think DDP is going to get maybe the loser of the main event on Saturday, or maybe he gets like a Paul Costa. Maybe he gets, I don't know, somebody like that. I think DDP deserves maybe a Vittori type, uh, somebody like that. But I don't think he's going to step back and fight Chris Curtis after beating Darren Till. Now, Chris, Chris looked good. No doubt about it, but Chris also is coming off a pretty definitive loss, short notice or not, to Jack Hermanson. So, I don't know. Maybe do DP versus Roman Delite. That's fun as hell, too. So, yeah. I don't think I'd go with, with Curtis in that spot, but we'll see what happens. Chris, Chris looked great.
Michelle, do we have you? No, we don't. How about uh, GG Oak? I hope I have that right. Are you there? What's up, Mike? How you doing? All right. Got a couple questions. So let's talk about the Chris Dawkins and his fight last week and how uh, he needs to drop down to middleweight. Uh, because I don't think I think he'll be a little bit uh, outmatched in the, in the light heavyweight division just because those guys are fucking monsters. And uh, also his brother, I felt like his brother ne might need to cut cut a little bit more since he is a, a bigger guy. I felt like I feel like if he cuts down to uh, what is it like welterweight, I feel like, I feel like he'll, he'll have a better chance of. Uh, actually getting you know some notable win wins under his belt <clears throat> and uh second question is now that they announced the glover and uh, jamal hill fight in brazil do you like do you feel for the uh for the fight weights and how they don't get a main event spot like i really thought this brazil card was going to be you know that that flyweight main event and they finally get you know they finally get the last fight but now that they announced this, uh, the vacant for the light heavyweight title, I feel like this is obviously the new main event for UFC Brazil. Appreciate you. You have a good morning. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I get it. The timing is is what it is. But again, here's this is kind of um, it's kind of worked out for the UFC because we haven't heard anything about Brandon Moreno since this James Krause news came out. We haven't heard anything. Not nothing. There's literally nothing. Like we don't even know if this fight's a hundred percent happening yet or not. Like we just we don't know. So worst case scenario, this is a backup plan. Like if something happens and Moreno can't go, we can't get that fight on the books. We got Glover headlining in Brazil, which is what he wanted to begin with. So they th th that that card needed another title fight or another big fight. That one was hurting real bad. But now they got a second fight. And I guess you can kind of feel for him, but who knows what the talks behind the scenes were. That fight, when it was first put together for this card, wasn't meant to be the main event. It wasn't meant to be the main event. They were, they were hoping to land something else, maybe get Nunes on the card. But that was, that was just there as a title fight, but it wasn't, it wasn't positioned to be the main event when it was first initially booked. At least that's what I was told. Now it's a co-main event, and... It is what it is. I don't really feel bad for those guys because, but I also don't know what's going on either with this whole James Krause situation and how Moreno feels about it and, and all of that. So, yeah, that was tough. And I don't think Chris Dawkins is dropping to 185. That's that's wild. Uh, four quarter sports. Hey, Hello. Good morning, Mike. Um, I do feel that um, I want to talk about Patty really quickly. I think we found out his limitations. The man, I mean, I think you had mentioned it before. He's like that person that the WWE would try to put out there to fight like locals, like your Funakis or your Jimmy Wang Yangs. He's just fighting lower tier guys um, at lightweight. Um, I don't, I can't see him in, you know, at any point in his career, maybe dropping down in the weight class. But I like, it's not like by the way, it would actually make it any better. I mean, lightweight is just a, a shark tank full of killers, and he's just not going to get anywhere near. 
um, the top 20, top 25, in my opinion. But I wanted to talk about Darren Till. Well, we we saw what transpired in the first round, and I don't know if how you wanted it, how you um, saw the first round. Did you think that they should have stopped it at some point? Because at one point, DDP was uh, was blanking him sixty to nothing when when it comes to strikes, and I thought that I thought at one point they could have stopped it, but. If there was a 175-pound division, you think Darren Till could exceed? Because I just felt that Darren Till struggled to make weight, you know, at 170. I know he, he should probably move down to um, 170. But, I mean, what, what's your thoughts on that? And then also, I don't remember who said it. I don't know if it was uh, DC or Rogan that said it. But they had said, you know, when Till was uh, shaking hands with uh, Bisping, that, that, that Bisping was the past, Till is the present, and then Patty is the future. I think we need to, you know, give some respect to Leon Edwards because he is actually the welterweight champion of the world. And he is from England. And he is somebody that, you know, we didn't expect him to, to knock out Kamaru Usman. And Darren Till, for all that's worth, I mean, what, his best win was uh, Cowboy Cerrone. And that was, you know, Cowboy Cerrone at the back nine of his career. So, I don't know. I think Darren Till is just somebody that he needs to take some time off. I think that you know, he needs to fight, you know, people that are lower tier at middleweight if he wants to remain at middleweight. But if he wants to um, go down to welterweight, he's really got to, you know, figure it out with the nutrition aspect. I mean, one fight that I would like to see, and, you know, I feel like he'll be fairly competitive just because this guy would bring it, is Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland and Darren Till, you know, make it for 170. I think that could be a very good stylistic matchup for both of them. And both of them have a big name. I mean, that could feature the fight night mean event. I don't know. What, what's, your, what's your thoughts, Mike? Thanks. I mean, you could do that at 170 or 185, and it would work. So, yeah, I got no issue with that. I got no issue with that. But Till has just found his way, and Jed, I mean, you, I'm not going to recap everything Jed Mishu said, but Jed said, essentially, that, you know, he's one of the best at just failing upwards. Lose, gets knocked out by Mazadal and gets a big fight, and lose... All this stuff. Like, he's still a star. He's still a name. So, but with that, you have to, he's just in a tough spot right now. He's just in a tough spot because he's just going to be, his name's going to be used to elevate newer talent, just like we saw with with DDP. But if you want to do him in Holland, you want to just do fun fights with Darren Till, I'm cool with that. But you don't, we don't need to make either guy cut to 170 to make that fight happen. We can just have him fight at 185. And it's the same. Neither of those guys are contending for titles, so you can just—they're big names, and they can just fight each other. And that's okay. Uh, we'll go to Crying Belly. We'll go to Crypto next, and then we got a couple more, and then I got to get out of here. Crying, how are you? Up, man? Um, I, I was listening for a while, and I just wanted to kind of defend uh, Patty Pimblet a little bit because I feel like everybody's like putting him on the level of expectations as as if he's like a contender or something like that. And personally, I think he won the fight just based off of the uh, of what I saw, and also the um, the total like fight stats or whatever. Just because like like I don't know if the I haven't watched the UFC for too long, but like I know that. If Patty threw more significant strikes or landed more significant strikes and threw more total strikes, uh, he was more busier. 
I think the control means nothing if you didn't do anything with it. And I think in the I think Patty won the third round, the second round. And I think people are talking him down as if he's like a contender and comparing him to Conor McGregor. And it's like Conor McGregor is a legend for a reason. You know what I mean? So I think Patty has a bright future and I think people are just like discrediting him, you know. <laughs> How do you feel about that? I mean, I appreciate that. How do you define bright future, though? Like, if you're defining bright future as a as a title contender, then I just don't agree with you. He got, I mean, Patty got, exp- I don't like to use the word exposed, but I, I think most people who've watched Patty fight, even in Cage Warriors, realize that the guy's got limitations. And now the vast majority of people can see what those limitations are. He's not going to be a champion. He's not going to beat a top 10 guy at 55. And this is not a knock on him. It's just the world we live in and the evolution of the sport and the guys who are in this division. There, I mean, outside of maybe Tony Ferguson, who's clearly on the back nine, he's probably on the 17th right now, for being honest. Is there one guy at 55 you think Patty is even competitive with? I don't. But again, that's okay. That's okay. You can have a great living. You could do very well in this sport without fighting for a title, especially in the UFC. Patty's not going to beat a lot of top 20 55ers. He just isn't. But that's okay. That's okay. And again, if you want to score for Patty, like it's a close fight. I don't think it's at, on second watch earlier this morning. I don't think it's a robbery. I don't think it's a robbery. I do think scoring the first round for Patty is ridiculous. That's bad judging. It's bad judging. Because that was the clearest round of the fight. You can make cases for both guys in two and three. You can't make a case for Patty in the first. You can't. You can't. I don't think it's a robbery. I think Jared won the first two rounds. I scored the third for Patty as well. Even live, I scored the third round for Patty because, like you said, I don't think the control meant a whole lot. And neither guy did anything really in that round, but Patty at least landed some strikes that had some significance to them. I also, I just hate the significant strike statistic because, like, what the hell is a significant strike? Like, what is it? Like, how do you define a significant strike? Like, I know it's easy to say, but even watching it live, like some of those rounds, like, like in the second round, like Patty was land, Patty was throwing and he was a little more active in the second, but he wasn't landing anything. He wasn't, he was hitting Gordon into the arms. Gordon was evading a lot of the damaging shots, but Gordon was hitting him in the face over and over again. And Patty was landing some shots, but a lot of those were, were blocked by Jared Gordon. And you notice that, like, it's not the same as the Chris Curtis-Joaquin Buckley fight, but Buckley was landing against him, and he was seemed to be kind of pulling away a little bit. But if you go back and watch, Chris Curtis was getting hit in the arms, like, 80% of the time. That's why Chris even, even posted on social media yesterday, like, face is fine, my arms hurt, because I blocked all of his strikes for the most part. So... Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's... Paddy's put himself in this position 
He doesn't say a lot of good things. I do like the mental health. It's, it's just weird how he could just flip the narrative so quickly on himself. It's wild. He says these just awful things during fight week, and then, you know, I don't want to see any bullying happening, happening, but yet we see him trying to bully people and all these different things. I, I don't know. I don't know. Guy's got a ceiling on him. He's got a ceiling. He's reached it, in my opinion, in terms of skill and evolution. He, Patty Pimblett, is this, this is who he is. This is who he is as a fighter. If he fights top 30 guys, he can hang with some of them. He's going to lose to almost all of them. That's just who he is. And that, again, that's okay. Kevin Holland is, a, is, a, is the man. He's a star. People love him. He's an exciting fighter. But Kevin Holland's not going to be a world champion. That's fine. That's totally okay. Let's go to crypto. Crypto, what's up? How are you? So first of all, regarding the significant strikes, I completely agree. And for anyone that would like to see that put into practice, watch the, for example, the Marlon Vera Rob Font fight, where I think yeah. I, I don't remember, but like Font landed at least twice as many significant strikes. It maybe even more. I don't remember, but like if you looked at the stats of that fight you would be like, oh, yeah, Rob Font won that fight. But when you looked at Rob Font's face compared to Marlon Vera, you realize that significant strikes is... There might be a correlation, but but it's it doesn't tell the complete story. Uh, secondly, Mike, I, you, you started off the show by saying that you've actually... Uh, yeah, if you, if you saw robbery at the bar, you might go over there and have a talk. You're not going to ask robbery out for a date. For me, Mike, if I see robbery at the bar... I'm asking robbery to marry me. And one year later, we're raising a kid because that was disgusting. What the judges did to Gordon. I, I, I think that we need to say what we actually witnessed. We need to, need to call it like it is, Mike, because you said it yourself, Mike, there's no, no way that a judge could give the first round to Patty. There's no way. And that was the decisive round. I was so upset when I heard Dana talking about the third round saying that Gordon basically didn't do enough. He uh, took his foot off the pedal and so on. Well, the third round was actually scored for Gordon. So, I mean, if that's not a robbery, then nothing is a robbery. I mean, what, like, that's so crazy. And also seeing Crosby, I'm so tired of this guy, Mike. I mean, Sabatello is one thing, but I think, I, I don't know, I think it was Frankie Edgar and BJ Penn. Wasn't that one fight where he scored, I think he gave it like 50 45 to Edgar and Frankie yeah exactly so that, I mean this guy is complete I mean he's a complete lunatic and there's some other issues with this guy uh, conflicts of interest and so on I'm not going to get into that but it's I mean if this is not a robbery Mike I mean I don't I, like it's it's impossible to score that first round uh, to to Patty and even a certain a certain known person criticized criticized his own son okay that also was a judge in that in, in that fight and said that there's no way, no way Paddy won that fight. It's 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 absolutely crazy. So if if the question is if Paddy won the second or the third round, 
sure, you could you could have that discussion. But if the judges would have scored the second and the third round the way they did, but gave the first round to, to Gordon, which we all agree is the obvious decision, then Gordon would have won. I, I think it's absolutely disgusting. And also seeing Paddy after the fight asking Dana for fight of the night. I mean, come on. This guy has completely lost it. And I think that for anyone that thinks that Paddy, that this is a, a, like a like a game he's playing, almost like Kobe Covington becoming this bad guy. This is not a conscious choice, okay? This is this is who Paddy is. He is a douchebag. He is a complete delusional douchebag. He absolutely 100% believes that he won that fight, that he dominated the fight, and that he is the best fighter in the world. He truly does believe that. And maybe that is what you need to believe if you're in this game. But, Mike, please, just let's push for Paddy to get a fight against Jalen Turner. Let's just make that happen so we can stop talking about this guy. I mean, this guy annoys me more than Henry Cejudo, to be honest with you. This, this, I mean, I, I'm just... If, if the, the continuation of Paddy will be against mid-level fighters on London cards, and we have to see him once again bragging about how great he is, I, I think I'm actually... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm unsubscribing. I'm, I'm not going to watch any fight cards with Paddy anymore because I'm just so tired of him. If he's that freaking good and great, give him Jalen Turner, give him Armin Sarukian, give him, give him a good opponent, and let's see how freaking good he is. Let's just, I mean, it's, I'm just so tired of him, Mike. So, yeah, I want you, uh, yeah, I want you to take on that, Mike, because as you said, if the first round is an obvious round for Gordon, then how is that not a rob- uh, not a robbery? I mean, the second and the third round. You keep, uh, let's keep the scoring as it is from the judges. But you said it yourself, Mike. The first round, it's impossible to score that round for Paddy. Hence, it is also a robbery. Uh, yeah, that's it, Mike. Thank you. Hey, I mean, what can I say? That's just how I scored it. Like to me. Yeah, the first round is atrocious. So, I mean, it's it's the closest thing to a like out and out all and out robbery as you're going to see this year. But just me watching it in the vacuum, how I scored the fight as a whole, it's not. You want to give two to Patty? I don't think you're right, but there's a case to be made. And the third could have gone either way. So if we're because if we're looking at it from from the way you're you're putting it out there, I thought it's not clear, but I thought Patty to me the second round is is the swing round. Because I thought Gordon won the first, and I thought Patty won the third. So you know what I mean? If they score it that way, they give Gordon it's still it's still going to be a Patty fight because the judges that scored it for Jared or would score for Patty in the third. So I don't know, man, we're going to be talking about this for a minute, but it is what it is. All right. We got to take two more. I have to go. I know a lot of you are waiting and I apologize, but it's just one of those days. Uh, So we'll go to George. We'll go to Tristan. They've been waiting the longest. I'm screenshotting the rest of you all. uh, And you guys will jump the, Jump the line on Thursday. Uh, George, hello. 
All right. Nothing there. Tristan. Listen, um, you know, I was you know, I was watching Outno yesterday. And you really think Dan Hooker could just run through Patty Pimlet? I listen, I'm with AK. I don't know, man. I think I think Patty has a good chance against Dan Hooker. And I even think he has a good chance against Michael Chandler. But this is this is the whole thing about squatting in your rank, because I don't think Dan Hooker and I don't think Michael Chandler should be in the top fifteen because I think they're on the downside of their careers. Yes, they're exciting. They're big names, but I think they're on the downside of their careers. I think their chins are gone because, yeah, you know, Hooker beat Claudio Perez, but Claudio Perez is not a good striker, right? And we've seen Hooker get dropped time and time again. We've seen Chandler get time and time again. And here's the thing about Pavi. Say what you want, but that guy has a great chin. That guy could eat shots and then come back in the fight and just be chaos. So listen, I'm not a biggest Patty fan. And again, I'm not, I, listen, I don't think, I don't think, I'm not sure. Obviously it'd be difficult. I don't think he could beat the arm of Saruki and Jalen Turner's the up and coming process. This is the whole thing about scouting your ranks. I mean, squatting on your ranks because there's people in the top 15 that we think that doesn't really deserve to be in the top 15. You're Tony Ferguson, Dan Hooker's one of them. And I think Michael Chandler as well. Like, because, and you talked about it on Otno. Like, this is not, Michael Chandler, this is not, uh, Bellator Michael Chandler, you know, this is not, this is UFC Michael Chandler who's aging. And I, listen, I, I disagree against those two Pacific fighters, Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler. I think he got a shot. I think he had a chance to beat those two guys. And that's the, that's the, that's the tough part. If he goes out there and beats Dan Hooker, he's in the top 15. Now it's like, you're kind of screwing him because now, he's going to be facing killers that might be under him or above him or things of that nature. So, you know, like AK, and you said, and you said, oh, I don't know, like if he fought Michael Chandler, you think Michael Chandler would win, but he, he can make it interesting. I think he can make it definitely interesting against Dan Hooker because those Hooker's chin and, and Michael Chandler's chins, they can't hold up anymore. I think they've taken a lot of damage and with Patty Pinland, he shows that he could eat a lot of shots. Like every time he got hit by, Gordon yesterday, he, he just shook it off, you know, like, and look, he, he hasn't been finished. He's been, fi- he's, he hasn't been knocked out. He's been finished one time. I think early in his career, he got submitted. But other than that, this guy, you could, I mean, I, I, I think in his first fight, he got cracked so many times, but he ate it like it was nothing. And I was just like, oh, okay, this guy could hold up. So if he goes in there and goes and just scraps with Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler, I think he got a shot, you know. Again, I'm with AK. I think he got a shot. So that's all I have to say about that. Thanks, Mike. I think you're absolutely insane. I think you're insane. Sorry. I think you're nuts. We like, it's amazing. And I'm not saying you're doing this, Tristan, but it's amazing just looking at how people react to Dan Hooker as a fighter. It's just hilarious. The dude went hammer and tongs for 25 minutes with Dustin Poirier. Like, and it was a super close fight. Poirier won in the fifth. He gets bolted by Michael Chandler, who, by the way, has has dropped and hurt pretty much everybody he's fought since coming over to the UFC. And the reason why I think the Chandler one's interesting is because I don't think I don't think Chandler – I think Chandler has become 
like has gotten to like fun fight territory at this point. So I actually think that makes a little more sense. You could just do that because I don't, I just don't see Chandler fighting for the belts again anytime soon with the way this division looks. And Hooker ain't fighting for the belts either, but I mean, his losses are to Poirier, Chandler, Islam Makachev, who is the best lightweight in the world. And he dropped to 145 and fought maybe the best featherweight, the best surging featherweight in this division. And he got cracked. I just don't think Patty does the same. And Dan, Dan would actually would, would be a really interesting opponent because I think if Jared Gordon can drag Patty into the mud, Dan Hooker's going to bury him in the mud. And not saying Patty can't get out of it, but it's a whole different thing, man. It's a whole different, it's a whole different thing. It's a whole different style. I, I just, I, I think, I actually think it's a really hard matchup for him. I think it's a really tough fight for him. But I don't know. I don't think we're going to have to worry about it anyways because I don't think the UFC is going to put him in there with Dan Hooker because I don't think that makes a ton of sense. Now, I wouldn't put him in there with Chandler now. Bellator Chandler kills Patty. If we can find some sort of middle ground, like if Chandler, if his whole game plan is just, I'm going to go in there and use my best weapons to my advantage and I'm just going to win and not worried about I'm here to put on a war for the fans, then Chandler's going to whoop Patty Pimblett. But I just don't know if he would do that. I don't know if because this is a different guy. This is a let's give the fans what they want kind of guy. This isn't all about, of course he wants to win, but it's more about let's give the fans what they want and give them a show. But I think Chandler's going to be pushing for that Connor fight and he'll probably get it. I don't know. There's fights for Patty. I love the Terrence McKinney idea because that's a fight. That's a 50-50 fight to me. A lot of people think Terrence just kills him. And maybe he does. But I think Patty's durability makes that fight really interesting. Because Terrence is, Terrence is fantastic in the first like six minutes of a fight. But if he starts to fade, Patty can take over. So I like that fight. And that's a fun fight. You can main, you can headline a fight night with that one. But to say like Patty has a clear chance against these guys, I think you're crazy. I think you're all crazy. I think AK's crazy. My best friend is crazy. Dan's a minus two hundred favorite in that fight, in my eyes. But that's just one man's opinion. All right, I have to go. Time is running out. FPL, Joe, Jiro, Ayub, George, Julio. Come back on Thursday. Come back on Thursday. I'm going to screenshot it a second time so it's just banked in my memory. Boom, there you are. Come back Thursday, 10 a.m. Any of you six gentlemen jump in at any point you cut the line you cut the damn line baby that's how it works so i'm sure we'll be talking about this and a lot more we have the final ufc event of the year coming up on saturday so we can talk about that talk whatever you want but until then everybody thank you very much have a great rest of the day and as always have a heck of a morning everybody
You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Support for this podcast and the following message is brought to you by E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, our tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Plus, you'll get access to a wide range of support to help you plan for the long term. Learn more at etrade.com slash vox. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley. 